Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Mobile hunters, are you looking to make the move to saddle hunting this year? Or maybe you just want to add a few new pieces of gear or upgrade your current saddle gear. If that's the case, then head over to tetherednation.com where they've got all mobile hunters covered. Whether you're new to saddle hunting or an old timer, Tethered is your one-stop saddle shop. From saddles to ropes, sticks, ascenders, whatever it is you need, they have you covered. I've personally been using their gear for the past three seasons. Now my base setup consists of the Phantom Saddle and the Predator Platform. And if you're wondering why, I've chosen to use their gear above all else. Here's the cliff notes. They're innovative and pushing the mobile hunting forward overall. They cut no corners and prioritize the safety and performance of their gear. They care about the community that they've created and their gear allows me to hunt free. And above all else, I like to support good people doing good work. If you're interested in upping your mobile hunting game, then head to tetherednation.com. This podcast is brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. Skull Brew Coffee roasts premium single-origin coffee, guaranteed to deliver the freshest coffee directly to your doorstep. The kicker? They're 2% for conservation certified and donate 10% of their proceeds back to organizations who support the interests of our hunting community. So go to SkullBrewCoffee.com and pick up one of their three killer roasts and fuel your hunt and fill more tags with Skull Brew Coffee. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 237. Today, I'm catching up with my buddy, Johnny Utah Mulligan, so stay tuned. up everyone happy wednesday to you hope you're doing well hope you are feeling fine happy belated fourth hope everyone had a good fourth of july holiday weekend had a chance to break out the smoker put some hog on the smoker and uh basically just spent the entire day outside man it was sipped a few a few beverages maybe um so that was so that was good it was just it was a weekend that was um sorely needed just needed an extra day to kind of recoup do a little lounging and uh Truthfully, man, that 4th of July weekend really kind of marks the start of the whitetail season for most everybody, I think, for the, you know, for the most part. Gives you an extra day off usually to where you can get out into the timber and do some whitetail stuff. Definitely time to, you know, have the cams out into the, uh, into the timber. So that's really what I did is I took advantage of an extra day off on Monday and hit the timber. And I think for all intents and purposes, I have all of my local cameras out at this, at this point. So I spent part of the day on Saturday and then 
part of the day on Monday and got all the cameras out that I needed to get out that I wanted to get out locally. There might be one or two more that end up popping up somewhere that I, that I end up putting out. The last thing I need to do is try to get up back up North to that big woods chunk and maybe put out a few more cameras and then at some point make it back to my dad's and put out some cameras for the old man. So he knows what's going on on the, on the property. But for, for all intents and purposes, I'm kind of set on the camera thing. If I didn't get any more out after this weekend, I'm pretty good that I'll just be moving them here in like the next, you know, month and a half or so, you know, I guess, uh, I guess a little longer than that probably two months, you know, I'll shift them probably sometime the very beginning of September because my season comes in middle of September. So I don't want to be, you know, kind of messing around with, you know, in, in the timber if I don't need to be, so to speak. So I did use some cell cameras and put them into a couple places. Um, where I maybe either one, it was a further hike than I want to make on a continual basis to check cameras or two in an area that I just don't want to, just don't want to disturb. There's one particular spot that I hung a camera that I'm super stoked about. And it's not, there wasn't, yeah, I, I, there's a primary scrape that is, that is nearby, but it's this little crossing that I walked up on. I hadn't seen it before. And there's some I don't want to give too much away just because of where, where it's, where it's at, but it like the access is super slick. Um, and I'm really stoked to see, there's a little bit of a feature that kind of funnels deer into a specific spot. And at that spot, it's, I've kind of figured out a really slick way to access it to where I'm not going to cross a single deer trail. You won't even ever know that I'm there. And so it's going to be perfect for checking cameras and actually slipping into slipping into a tree. So, can't let much more go than that just because I don't want folks trying to, you know, or figuring out where, where this, uh, where this might be, but, uh, I'll keep you guys posted as, as far as what turns up on that camera. Cause I have some high hopes, uh, for, for that particular, uh, particular set. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's podcast and not belabor this up front a whole lot. Uh, have my buddy, good buddy, you know, him, you love him, Johnny Utah Mulligan on. It's been a little while since we had John on. So this is really just a BS session with him and I, we of course cover, you know, what's going to be happening in the deer woods. Um, you know, John's picked up some, you know, he's going to be hunting a new property this year and, and so forth. He's got some travels planned this year as, as well, but we do spend some time just kind of talking about, you know, I, I think, you know, if you follow John's story at all, like he's done a really good job of kind of, of creating a, an outdoor life for himself. And, you know, I th- if you listen to the podcast that I did with Tony Peterson uh, a few weeks ago, we kind of touched on this as well, where people always think, you know, those who work in the outdoor industry, it's glitz and glamour and you're hunting all the time and, and, and stuff like that. And the truth of the matter is it's a little bit of a grind, um, you know, but if it's something that you're passionate about and that you're into, um, you know, then it, it, it makes it all, all, all worthwhile. And so John and I just really kind of talk about, you know, his part of his journey, you know, and still ongoing journey as he continues to evolve you know the things that he's doing and um all things johnny utah creative and you know what that looks like from you know an an outdoor perspective and then as a a business person perspective but it's all kind of centered around the idea of hunting and we definitely do get into into some whitetail content today and and talk whitetails of course so with that we'll go ahead and kick this thing off and as always i want to thank you all for listening all right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the Truth from the Stand Deer Hunting Podcast. On the line with me today, you know him, you love him, weighing in at 205 pounds, hailing from the uh, state of Kentucky, also known as the Kentucky Rattler, a.k.a. Utah <laughs> Get Me Two, Johnny, by God, Utah Mulligan. How's that for an intro? 
that was pretty good that was pretty good it's it's definitely in the top three it's definitely yeah i was actually th- it's funny story so john and i were talking the other night i was driving back from the podcast that i did with the guys from the game commission it was pissing rain on me and john and i we've mentioned this before we only call each other when we're driving that's like yeah. the standard rule yeah. <laughs> and uh and uh after we got off the phone, we were like, hey, let's let's get together and let's do a podcast this week. And as I was driving, I shit you not, I was on my way home thinking of what my intro was going to be because every time I intro you, it's different. <laughs> and so yeah. I was thinking, I was like, man, what the hell am I going to say this time? I was like, I don't have any. I need to come up with some new material, man. So I'm glad that one made at least your top three because I felt like I, I fell flat on that one a little bit. You're like one of those comedians they always talk about when they're rehearsing their new bits and stuff like that. You know what I mean? And they they go to some small comedy houses to try it out on some small venues, you know, <laughs> do the kinks or whatever. We just go on the fly, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, Hey, I did rehearse it at a small venue, my truck, you know, it was a, it was a, yep, part, right, it was a party right. of one, you know? So party of one. Yep. yeah, I, yep. I felt real confident and I got a lot of good reviews from it. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like I just didn't throw that out there. See how it marinates. You know? <laughs> yeah. I threw it out there. I came back and thought it was good, you know? So I thought yeah. I'd throw it out here yep. today and, you know, we'll, we'll let the listeners good. decide what's uh, yeah. what's shaking. But uh, no, man, we haven't had a chance to catch up in a while. I know you've been kind of all over the, you've been all over the country, man. Like you've been Florida, Texas, Kentucky. I think you were even in, like in Pennsylvania at one point, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. It's like you've been basically like the, you've traveled the entire U.S., I think. Well, you you pretty much will by the time you get done with like the tax shoot and stuff this year. Yeah, yeah, I'm um, the lower continental traveler. Um, <laughs> we don't refer to you as the world traveler. We refer to you as the lower yeah. continental traveler. Lower continental, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, man, it's been busy this year. Um, you know, there wasn't any trade shows this year because of all of the crap. Yeah. And um, so it actually gave me a chance to – it freed up some time to to take on some different work and – and I've been doing all that stuff with the catfishing stuff. Yeah. And that has led into me, um, you know, meeting some other manufacturers from that space. Uh, you know, everybody knows how to work a rod and a reel, like in a farm pond. We've all grown up kind of doing that. But right. some of that other stuff has been really new to me. And it's been fun to to learn and see how they do their space. And, and I think for them, my photography because I'm not a fisherman, you know what I mean? Day in, day out. Right. Um, I think my, my, uh, my look on it or my composition was a little different and they, they were digging it. So, um, yeah, man, I, I was able to keep myself pretty busy this year doing some fishing content work, um, you know, for some clients, but then, you know, traveling with Turkey season and stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, man, the, uh, you're, you're, I know we talked a little bit about, you're going to be getting some tips from like a bona fide like dude when it comes to fly fishing too. Like you've got a yeah. really cool trip coming up where you're going to be doing a little something, something with some, with some tuna and, uh, some, you're going to get a lesson from a dude who's like the, the legit master of fly fishing, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, so my buddy Kobe folks, he's one of the co-owners of uh, rise fishing company and rise fishing company. Uh, Kobe lives in Maryland and he's, you know, Kobe's a modest guy himself. I mean, he's mm-hmm. a pretty badass fly fisherman, you know? Right. And, um, for anybody that's not familiar with Kobe, Kobe used to be the, one of the marketing directors of Under Armour. Mm-hmm. Um, his brother Kip is one of the founders 
yeah. uh, or the founder of of Under Armour. So they were banging anyways, shirts um, in their in their garage whenever they were much younger together. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Kobe, he tells a story about being the first employee, like helping his brother bag sleeveless compression shirts in like the basement or something. <laughs> right. I was like, that's grassroots. That's pretty cool. So right. um, anyways, Kobe started this company called Rise Fishing Company. And and so when I got into fly fishing, I was like, well, let me let me grab one of those rides. You know, at least mm-hmm. I, I know a guy. Right. And, um, you know, I've watched a few YouTube videos and, and I've seen a river runs through it a hundred times. So <laughs> So you're, I'm like, so you're pretty much an expert. <laughs> I'm pretty much an expert. I mean, technically pro staff, really. Right. You know. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I don't know what I'm doing when it comes to fly fishing. Right. <laughs> I don't have a clue. <laughs> um But that is a good movie. I'm having lie. fun learning. Oh, yeah. it is. It is. Um and I and I have actually had an opportunity to fish that river that they were on uh in the movie. Um and the Gallatin cool. there. So but um anyways. So, you know, I've been getting a little better and getting a little better and whatnot. And um, I have a trip coming up in July where I'm going to be doing some bluefin tuna fishing with my friend Leslie uh, Vanderoo. Um, she runs Heroes Outdoor Therapy, yeah. um, a non veteran nonprofit. They're in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, is where they're based out of. But she called and said, hey, do you want to go bluefin tuna fishing with me? And I was like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Why I not? I'm not doing anything like, Sunday. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. I ain't doing nothing. Yeah. Um, came here to drink beer and kick ass and I'm almost out of beer. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, screw it. Let's, let's go. And then when I talked to my buddy Kobe, I said, Hey, I said, I'm going to be up in Montauk. And he's like, dude, my business partner at rise, Steve lives in Montauk. And he's like, I know he'd like to meet you. And the guy is like the Zen master of, of casting, you know, fly rods. So it's going to work out to where I'm actually going to have a day to go do some striper fishing with Steve and actually kind of get some one-on-one, like some really like from the man, you know, right. like the dude, one of the, the best. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. What, dude, I don't know. Like I saw that picture you posted today on Instagram, you cast in a fly rod. Like it looked pretty legit, you know? It might be one of those things like when I take a picture of, it, of of shooting arrows, like I take the picture of like the one that I shot really well out of the 50 that I shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that that's a that was a one two thousand shutter speed freeze frame. Uh, what you don't see is I probably had like my tip. It was like in a fucking knot or something. Right. You know what I mean? Wrapped around a tree. <laughs> right. Exactly. But yeah, yeah. man. I can bird's nest some tippet, man. I could tell you it's, right. it's an art. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, man, fly fishing is one of those things like I've always wanted to to dabble in. Basically, the wife was like, you need no more hobbies that you're going to get super interested. Because I've always heard that it's people who like to bow hunt would really enjoy fly fishing if they've never fly fished before. Yeah. Like if they came into it completely blind and cold, they would like it because there's a lot of similarities in terms of like reading the water and reading how things are eddying and, and, and understanding what they're going to feed on at different times and stuff like yeah. that. So it mimics kind of bow hunting because it's, it's not like you're not going to have a lot of luck from what I understand at least. And right. I don't know yeah. shit about shit when it comes to, when it comes to fly fishing, but from what yep. I understand, you're not going to dumb luck your way often into success fly fishing, you know? Right. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think like you just said, like learning what, uh, what emerges, um, what larva is in that area and so like that. So you're picking your certain flies. I mean, like my buddy, Ethan pole from grizzly coolers, like 
I watched that guy like digging in the water, picking up rocks and turning them over and like looking at what larvas sticking to rocks and stuff. And he's like, he'll yell over to me. He's like, we need a red nymph, put a red nymph on there. I'm like, yeah, uh, cool. You know what I mean? What color is that one? (laughs) And I have no idea. Yeah. I was like, I have no idea what he's talking about, but he's been teaching me a lot as well. So I think in that regard, it's kind of like, you know, you're scouting, you're picking the right food source or, Mm -hmm. um, are they feeding on acorns or whatever? So yeah, there's a whole lot of similarities. Um, and you know, like I don't see myself getting into trad archery anytime soon. The same as I don't see myself getting like the wicker basket and, you know, going out there. I'm cool with modern, uh, technology. So no, man, it's a ton of fun and they're really pretty fish. I mean, right. I guess we can still say that in 2021. I didn't give it a pronoun. It's just a pretty fish. It's you know what a, I mean? Yeah, it's just a pretty fish. It know? is. It is. They're they're super cool, man. So yeah, man, I'm I'm having a I'm having a blast doing it. Um, and you know, I don't know what a. It's like um, waterfowl, right? I've had people try to get me into that, and I already know, that, like man, you need an enclosed trailer. You need like yeah. 17,000 decoys. And yeah, I'm like, man, it looks cool. And, uh, I don't know. That just seems like a whole lot. I mean, fly fishing granted, you know, it can get expensive, but really you can get going with a base rod and reel and a couple of flies and you can wet wade until you mm-hmm. get some waders if you want, you know, if yep. it's warm enough, but um, the, yeah, the cost bear- of entry is really not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. And you can go out and look, and you don't have to get all crazy with, you can go out and just have a good time, you know what I mean? And just enjoy being out on, you know, another hobby during the course of the off season of, of deer hunting. You know what I mean? If that's, if that's what yeah. someone wanted, wanted to do. I think part of the reason why we, me and a couple of buddies around here go is it just gives us a chance to go camp out and make a fire. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. <laughs> dude, I, yeah. Tell me about it, man. There's, there's definitely something to be said for that kind of stuff of just, you know, because I always say this, like, that's kind of like why I like when I say I like I'll put it in air quotes. I like turkey hunting because I stress out over deer hunting. Right. Like that's mm-hmm. the that's the Olympics. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so for me, turkey and you're way into turkey. hunting. we're going to get to that in a second. But for me, turkey hunting is just like an excuse to go to camp with my father in law and some guys and have sure. some beers. And if I go out and I see some birds. Awesome. If I don't. Yeah. Then just as well. You know, it was more well, about it- getting away and. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like that's, that's the cool part about hunting really in general is, um, you know, we've talked about this before. I mean, so much of it gets overhyped. Like I, you know, got to do it for the gram. Um, I mean, that's what we're all out there doing. We're all out there wanting to just be outside and do some manly shit. You know what I mean? Like there's, that's still cool. That's it's still cool, and it might even be cooler today than it was a year ago. If I'm being if I'm being honest, doing doing some mm-hmm. man doing some manly stuff, but you know it's a uh, right. Yeah, man, it's <laughs> doing it for the gram. That's funny that you that you say that because it's you know I, like you just wonder. Like I often wonder, right? Like I have to remind myself sometimes, especially around like hunting season, because I'll be sitting at my desk working flipping through the gram or something like that. And someone's out doing whatever. And I'm like, damn it. I want to be out doing that. And then I have to remember, it's like, dude, they shot that photo five days ago. You know what I mean? On yeah. Saturday, like they're yeah. sitting in a cubicle <laughs> working too. You know what I mean? Yep. 
and it's yep. not and it's not real life. For some people, it is right. Like mm-hmm. that's part of your job is like you have to be out there creating mm-hmm. content. You know what I mean? And so, yeah. you know, guys like you or you know, like even Chad, you know, like and those guys like doesn't like he owns a business that is you know a product business, right? Not just content. Yeah. So it's like he's at an office a lot of the time during deer yeah. season, right? And it's like you know you've you had that same pain before you went off on your own, right? To mm-hmm. where it's like you were working in the outdoor industry and we would have conversations about it. You're like, man, I don't get, I mean, now granted you hunted a lot for a guy who worked in the outdoor industry, but you prioritized it and you worked your ass off to like midnight, one, two o'clock in the morning to finish up whatever you didn't get done before you split for an evening hunt or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? You know, so it's like you were still working 80 hours a week, <laughs> you know, and then, yeah. and then hunting on top of it, you know, right. But right. A, a lot of people look at that and they think, man, you know, they have the life like they're, they're hunting all the time. It's like, man, it's in order to build that life, man, it takes work. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911, and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Yeah, yeah, it, it hasn't been easy. It's, uh, I tell you, it's taken, it's uh, a crap ton of sacrifice. Um, and, and I think sometimes people think that I make light of it when I'm like, hey, Raymond noodles, you know, ramen noodles, like they're not that bad. Like, I don't think people actually realize that that was like the bulk of my meals, right. you know, for a long time, you yep. know, so it takes takes a ton of sacrifice and um and it's funny i actually saw i saw a line in a movie today and they were talking about um whenever whenever you earn something or you work for something and it's like your soul you know mm-hmm. that you put into achieving something and if somebody ever tried to take that away from you Mm-hmm. like feel sorry for that person. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's like, it, it has been, uh, and again, I'm 43 years old. So like for me, it was never about, Oh, I want to be famous someday. No, this is just what I wanted to do for a living. I wanted to create content and I wanted to hunt and, and do it within the hunting industry. Sure. I venture into fishing and camping and stuff for some clients, but um, it all comes back to just wanting to do the outdoors and do the hunting thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes, and I, I have to catch myself cause I like to think that I'm one of those people that's like a duck and let it roll off. But right on the inside, man, if I, if somebody attacks what I'm doing or whatever, it, I can see where Cam Haynes will actually, when he'll lash out at people sometimes on Instagram, you know what I mean? Right. Right. I, I get it. When you put that much passion into something, it's just no different. Like if somebody attacks your family, right? Right. You're like, you done fucked up now, AA Ron. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. Like you know, you know, a little bit different for a professional ball player or whatever, because there's you know groups of fans that follow, right? And it's you know, yeah, they're heckling, right? And that kind of comes with the territory. Some, but you can also understand like where it's like, man, especially when you get to the point of like for them at least questioning their commitment or their dedication. Yeah. It's like, man, 
Oh, if yeah. you only realized mm-hmm. even the worst player and the least dedicated player in a professional sport, the amount of work they had to put in, maybe they're not doing it while they're there because maybe they got paid and they got lazy. But what they had to do to get there, like most people can't, yeah, yeah. couldn't couldn't fathom that type of that type of output. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah. And I've watched you and how you kind of, you know, went about it. Like there was no magic bullet. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was no, no like check the box to quick success, man. It was all grinding it out and doing the work and the work showing you yeah. how to do it, do it better every time you did it and making relationships yep. and doing it the hard yep. way. But it's the way you build a foundation long term. Like that's the that's the thing. Yeah. It's like if it happens quick, it, it'll leave you just as quick. If it's built over time, chances are it'll sustain yep. any ups and downs or any losses, right? Correct. I always yeah. uh, my analogies always say it's like uh, building a foundation of like a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Like you can build a skyscraper as big as you want as long as you have the foundation. So it's like when other people I felt were taking some of the the shortcuts and you know, and taking some of the different ways to try to gain cloud or fame or whatever, or uh, doing that annoying stuff where they comment on everybody in their brother's social media account that they don't know. Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and then, uh, because I was someone like, somewhere in like a social media expert somewhere said that that was like one of the top three strategies in order to yeah. get, you know what I mean? Like that's what happened. Yeah. Like it, one of my favorite quotes about social media, this was like several years ago was like all these, social media experts and the guy was like how can you be an expert of something that literally has been around for like three years like it hasn't been around long enough for anyone to be an expert of it right it takes Uh ten thousand hours of doing something in order to be an expert and like tiktok's been around for like two years and like there's a lot of tiktok experts now and i'm like it hasn't even been around long enough for someone to be an expert yeah yeah they're an expert until the next algorithm update and changes they're out of a job yeah exactly Um, but you know, while everybody was taking some of the shortcuts, I felt like, you know, I kind of prided myself on the guy that was just like in the basement, Rocky Balboa style, just working on the foundation. Yeah. And I figure I'm not slow and steady wins the race sometimes. And yep. if things move and change, I feel like I've got my businesses in a position where I can adapt and shift things around to stay relevant, to do what it is I do or, and you know what, if I have to go back and get a real job someday, you know, then so be it, you know? Then, yeah. So be well, it. It's like, it was fun while it lasted. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, well, that's the thing. It's like, there's not like, I don't know. I mean, that, that's why our group of friends and that's why you and I are, you know, good friends is like, there's a there's a sense of humility, right? Like you work hard and proud of the things that we're able to accomplish and do and things like that. But there's always this, there's always a recognition that like, man, I don't control all these things. Right. And and there's gotta be a sense of humility about like, you know, part of it is, is gratitude for the opportunities that have come. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and as long as you have that perspective, whatever happens along the way, it's like, you'll, you'll roll with the punches, adapt and, and reset course, whatever that means. Right. Mm-hmm. And, it, you yep, know, and building, sure. a, a building a foundation, it's no different deer hunting. Right. I mean, you, that's what you do. Right. If you want to have success or give yourself, I shouldn't say success. If you want to give yourself an opportunity. Right. And mm-hmm. success, whether it's turkey hunting, deer hunting, whatever it is, if you do it, yep. if you do it on the cheap. Right. And you, you know, and you and you cheat the cheat the process. You might get lucky once or twice, yeah. right? But it isn't going to happen consistently, right? Yep. Like you look at a guy like Don Higgins, for example, right? Yeah, um, right. 
the dude is killing giant deer and having encounters with giant deer consistently and has killed giant deer, I think, throughout the past three years, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. and, mm-hmm. and he did that because there was years of foundation building. <laughs> yeah, there's years of passing deer and yeah, um, probably messing up, you know, obviously. And and it's just an acquired skill set. And he's gotten to the point. Um, my old business partner, Todd Prignitz, I mean, very similar deal. I remember in 2012, 2013, he was passing deer left and right. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like he's passing these 150 inch, 160 inch bucks. And then the last three years of his life, he, he killed six bucks over 180. <laughs> yeah. Not too shabby. Yeah. Not a, not a, not a bad three year stretch, you know? It's, yeah, yeah. I was just in that example came to mind today. Cause I, uh, I had I never watched it before, but I watched the um, Don's YouTube video of the the buck Mel that he killed that yeah. that's on YouTube, yeah. and that's just a super cool story, man. And he passed that deer on multiple occasions from the time it was like, I mean, he passed him as like a hundred and eighty inch deer. The year before he killed him, he passed him as a two a legit two hundred inch deer, right? Yeah. And then shot him at like whatever he ended up being like two sixteen and some change or two twenty yeah. or whatever whatever that deer ended up being, but he's just a, a giant. But he literally passed a two hundred inch deer on film. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Like I couldn't I couldn't yeah. fathom it. That's you know? actually crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> it, it was because it wasn't. It, he knew he was like a because he had watched him since he was young and like he was just a freak giant like as a two year old like he was like I think he said like one sixty yeah. as like a two year old and. So yeah, he knew yeah. that one year, you know, I guess year three when he was about 180 and then year four, he knew he was a, a four year old and he was like, man, I really just want to. And I think he had a busted time or something like that too. You know, he's like, mm-hmm. I really want to see what he does next year. And I'm like, Oh boy. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I couldn't do that. Like I would have shot him at two. Like <laughs> if I'm being honest, I would have shot him with spots as a 150. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you. Um, and, and that's just on a whole, you know, guys like Don are just on a whole nother level. And, and so, but it didn't happen by accident is the point, right? Exactly. It's like, you know, well, and that's just it too. Like, that's the one thing that I think people forget about is, am I any less of a skilled hunter because I did not kill a 215 last year? No. Now, for the record, Don Higgins is a more skilled hunter than I am. Right. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, you know, it's all, it's all relative to Mm -hmm. where you're hunting, what your style of hunting is, what your goals were, how big your property was, how much time do you have to put into it and that kind of stuff. So it's all completely relative. And, and I think as soon as people will stop looking at it as it's like this big competition and they start diving in deeper and saying, man, like, and that guy really busted his hump and, mm-hmm. and he scouted a bunch of new properties and he got on there and he picked out this nice four-year-old 147 and a half inch buck and he killed him. Like, that's awesome. He set out to achieve his goal. The end, you know what right. I mean? Like, right. Um, yeah. Why does it, why does it have to be like this, uh, you know, um, analysis after everyone, you know, does yeah. something or whatever. Right. It's, it reminds me of like, when you have presidential debates or even just like a, a football, like a highly anticipated football game. And then you've got three days of people on analyzing every like move of the football game. It's like, can't you just enjoy the fact that 
it was a really good game. You know, it's like, yeah, there was a game played guys beat the hell out of each other and one person won. Yeah. yeah. And it was awesome. <laughs> and it was super entertaining. You know what I mean? It's like, can, yeah, right, can it just be, right. can it just be that? And it's like, can a guy just like kill a good deer or a good deer for him and be super yeah. stoked for it. And everyone else just be like, Hey man, like you won the game. That's awesome. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's like, yeah. You know, cause the thing is, and, and I'm, <clears throat> I'm talking, I'm bringing Don up just only because like, I think he's caught some flack recently, like on social or whatever. And I listened to like one of his podcasts like today, just cause you know, I was, yep. I was working and was looking for something to listen to. And I was listening to him that, and he's you know, has a lot of information to share. And I shot him a text and he texts and he texts me back. So that's why I was kind of thinking of it. And just him as an example, right. Is like people don't realize like the amount of work that that dude puts in. Like they think he just shows up on like a managed property somewhere where and just like picks a deer out. It's like, yeah, I'm going to kill that one this year, you know? Yeah. Right. But right. like the last three years, like what people don't realize is that, you know, I think it's the last three years, if I'm not mistaken, like those deer that he killed were, you know, on a farm, on a permission piece that it wasn't managed. You know what I mean? Like there was no like super big bean field or anything like that. You know what I mean? It was, he asked for permission, like any Joe Schmo would got permission Mm-hmm. knew there was a good deer there, hunted that good deer and was able to kill that good deer, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, there's, you know, a little, and, and, you know, people, he doesn't, how do I say this? Good deer hunters typically don't share all their information. Right. And so that's sure. part, that's part yeah. of what it is too. Right. It's like, you know, you, you don't yeah. get the whole story until it's kind of over. And even then you might not get the whole story. Cause we're not, you know, oftentimes we're not in the business of, trading secrets per se, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. Not, not all of them anyways. Right. Yeah. I mean, even with our good, with our good friends, we will, but just like in general, it's like, it's, you know, you typically don't, you typically don't know. And so people make their own assumptions and most of the time they're wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Don, Don's a good dude. Um, I've known Don a long time and, and he's, uh, I, I think very, very highly of him. Um, he's one of those guys that says a lot without saying a lot, yeah. you know? Yeah. 100%. And, um, he's, he's a very talented hunter. Um, he's made those properties he's hunting even better. Um, and he's, he's very, very intelligent. And, um, you know, I've had opportunities that I've been able to learn some stuff from him and there's been times that I've wanted to implement some stuff that I've learned from him, but either a don't have the property for it or, you know, something like that. But, um, yeah. I mean, he's, he's a wealth, wealth of knowledge and, and I can't imagine why he would catch any flack cause he's just such a good dude. And yeah, any flack he catches, I chalk up to just a bunch of haters that are just jealous, you know, a hundred percent dude. And that's kind of, and that's exactly my thoughts. Same thing. Yeah. Like he's just, he's been nothing but gracious to me. Anytime I've ever wanted him to come on or even just shoot him a text, like he responds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and he doesn't know, he knows me through you and that's, that's, yeah. that's about it. Right. And he's still, if I shoot him a text about something, he still will take the time out of his day to shoot me a text back and respond, you know? Yeah. And like, and I know guys that have accomplished a lot less than that, that won't, that won't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, yeah. he's literally yeah, one of like, exactly. probably, he's one of my favorite people in the, in the hunting industry for a multitude of reasons. I think, like you said, killer hunter can learn a ton from him but he's also just one of the most genuine people I think that I've ever met hunting industry or not. And yeah, yeah. that, yeah, that good. to me says a lot more about, about him and who he is and, um, and how he treats people than, than anything else. So yeah. Yep. Anyway, hundred percent. 
with that, man, let's dive into your, we'll do a quick Turkey recap, dude, because you were all yeah. over the country, like we said early and, uh, you were going for the back to back slam. And I think the last time we talked, if I'm not mistaken, I think you had only got your Osceola. I think that that was where, yeah. I think that was the last time that you were, you were on. So you went from Florida, you were in Texas, the Dakotas mm-hmm. and, and Iowa, right? That was the, that was the next yep. run. Right. Yeah. So let's break yep, it down. It. How, how did it, how did everything pan out? Yeah. So, um, I was in Florida really early, you know, cause their season opens up so soon. And, and when I got back home, I had a little bit of downtime and then finally the season started to open up here in Iowa. And, um, I went out to one property and it sucked. I mean, didn't even see anything. Didn't hear. I mean, I heard a couple of gobbles in the morning, but it was pretty bad. And so then I, I packed up and I went ahead and shot to Texas and which was a cool trip because where I was hunting, I could actually bring my bow and I could bring an, an AR. So That's right, um, you did a I had picked hunt. up a new AR through a, yeah, yeah. So I picked up this new AR through a partnership with uh, Kip Campbell's company, Red Arrow Weapons. And so I went to my buddy Ward Hegler from Musket Powder I went to his, uh, his property and it, I get down there and it's just rain, 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 like nonstop. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. So one of the days when it was raining, um, we did a little hog hunting. I was able to shoot a couple of piggies. And, um, then on day three, we went to a different property in West Texas out past, uh, um, Oh shoot. Abilene, um, went out past there. And then got on a different property. We're sitting there in a, in a ground blind and we had actually busted two toms, uh, walking in. So we're both like pretty dejected. We're like, if there's a way to screw this up, we're going to find a way to screw it up. (laughs) And a bunch of big boars came out and I thought, well, I don't have my AR, but I've got my bow. So I ended up smoking a pair of hogs (laughs) with the same, (laughs) with one arrow. Oh, geez. Yeah. And, um, that was pretty awesome. I really wasn't trying to do that, but it's just the way the arrow went in and it kind of kicked out and had enough momentum and stuck stuck the other one. I was like, wow. Yeah. I was like, that's pretty cool. Like tip the hat to, to iron will broadheads there. That was, that was pretty impressive. So, um, then about 30 minutes later, I thought, man, those pigs, they made so much noise squeaking and carrying on, like, we're not going to see anything. And, uh, I'm pretty much, you know how you kind of like start to like play mind games with yourself. You kind of check out, you know, it's that last five yeah. minutes of light and you don't yeah. see any deer. So you're like, okay, something's not going to run in, in the next 30 seconds. But lo and behold, Ward's like, Hey, two Tom's coming from the, coming from the right. And I was like, whatever. He's like, no, seriously, like two Tom's. And I was like, Oh, are they strutting? And he looks out the window and he's like, yeah, actually they are strutting and they're coming this way. Jeez. So I was like, oh, crap. So I get the camera going and whatnot. And we had a couple of toms come in and and I shot the first one with my bow. And the second one, like, jumped straight up in the air and landed and came right back into the decoys to, like, avenge his buddy's death, you know? <laughs> so Ward grabs his shotgun from behind the chair. And he actually ends up shooting the second one. A twofer. So, yeah. So that, and that's, you know, that's the first time I've ever doubled up with anybody, you know, on turkeys like that. Um, 
I've had so many opportunities where something went wrong where either one or none of the birds got killed. You right. know, <laughs> um, I've almost kind of sworn off the even the attempt to try a double because right. it's like it's going to screw it up. Neither one of us is going to kill one if we try to do this. Right. But now you've tried to double up with a bow before. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. tough enough to do with a shotgun like with the bow. That's like next level. Yeah. Yeah. So. um so we got those birds down and I'm like, success, man. I shot some pigs, you know, with multiple weapons. I got, I got my, my Rio. I was like, I got ton of season left for me to head back to Iowa and South Dakota. So I come home from, um, come home from Texas and I was thinking about leaving and heading on to South Dakota right away. And I called my buddy Drew, who was going to run a camera for me in South Dakota. And I said, Hey, let's wait one more day. And I'm like, I just got a feeling that I need to stick around here. I need to hunt Iowa tomorrow morning. It's been raining and it finally stopped raining. So I just have a really good feeling that these birds are going to really get out and kind of do their thing, you know? Right. So I ended up going and hunting a new, this new lease that I picked up. Um, I ended up going and setting up over there by myself that morning and, and I shot a bird. I had a bird come in like five, six feet from me. And once he got past me and he couldn't see me, then I was able to move the camera and draw and whatnot. But so I ended up shooting that bird and he was a really, really good bird, man. He was inch and a half spurs and, uh, like a 12 and a half inch beard. So good, mature bird there. And I was like, dude that's three out of four like we're on the home stretch now all i gotta do right. is go to south dakota and get one of these miriams and i was like i'm gonna pull off a back-to-back -back single season archery grand slam like this is this is super cool dude i all but like had it booked like i was like yeah i mean with as much season as you had left and stuff not the not not we should have did some better foreshadowing than that <laughs> story yeah. terrible yeah. storytelling here yeah. that, we started at chapter seven yeah sorry yeah we started with the end in mind um yeah i mean when you were done with that i you know my thinking was was like man you have so much time left and last year you know i know the first trip out to the dakotas for yeah. you this year was i mean the weather was just crap while you were out there it was it was awful like as far as like you had like yeah. really cold temperatures yeah. and stuff like that but i knew last year like you got it. I won't say it was with ease, but I mean, like you were in birds and you had a lot of opportunities last year and you got it done with, if I'm not mistaken, like the first trip and relatively quickly, all things considered. Yeah. Uh, in the first day. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. There you go. Relatively <laughs> quick. Yeah. So, yeah. The, so I was kind of like, you know, yeah, it's like, you know, done deal, but yeah. And I, and I skipped right over. I did make one little impromptu trip to South Dakota um, and it was 11 degrees. Yeah. I remember and that. I tell you, I, I've never, never thought that I would be hunkered into a ground blind with a Mr. Buddy heater during Turkey spring Turkey season, you know, like right. it was just nasty, frigid, not even fun, cold. Um, and the gear that I really needed to have with me for that trip, it's just not conducive for trying to crawl around and hike through the mountains and that kind of stuff. I mean, it just, yeah no fun like so um i i called that trip short because they were calling for like a big eight to 12 inches of snow blast coming into the hills right and i was like screw that man i'm going on back home and then that's when i i hit texas then iowa so then i came uh after i had my iowa bird 
uh, I picked up Drew and, and we went out there back to South Dakota and it was still kind of cold. I mean, it was still like mm-hmm. 27 degrees in the mornings and like a high of 40. I mean, it was still relatively chilly, but the thing that I noted this year that I didn't last year, because last year, like I said, I killed on the afternoon of day one right? and I, I hunted the same place. Like I parked the truck, went in, came out. Right. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have any opportunities to encounter people. Um, this year was insane. I don't think that there was a state that I did not see a license plate representing, you know what I mean? And the guy drivers are, uh, you know, all wearing camo. So, um, it was flooded with hunters. Um, all the birds that I found, I mean, I think it was like 11 birds on public and like 97 birds on private. And when I say private, I'm talking like third acre lots and the homeowner is like shaking a Folgers can of corn and like feeding them in the front yard. Right. (laughs) It was insane. I've never seen anything like it, but, um, man, I hunted my friggin' butt off on day three. Um, I actually shot a bird and I shot him on forest service and the bird, uh, limped off. You know, anybody that's Mm -hmm. bow hunted turkeys knows that they don't always go down like, like a turkey shot, you know? Right. Um, so sometimes they kind of bounce off or scamper off a little bit to go hide somewhere and die. But this bird like kind of walked off and he was limping and he couldn't keep up with everybody else. And then he ended up just kind of like wiping out in this backyard. And I was like, Oh yeah, this is awesome. But South Dakota has a law that you cannot cross state lines to pursue game. Um, private private lines. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You can't cross property lines. Yep. yep. So like I said, I shot him on forest service, but he, he ran over onto private. So then I went to the front door of that house and was like banging on the door and nobody was home. Like to ask permission if, Hey, can I go in your backyard and go get my dead bird out of your yard? Um, nobody was home. And I went to the neighbor and talked to the neighbor and the neighbor's like, yeah, I don't really know them. They're va- they vacation from California. Um, but I know that they don't like hunters. Oh, geez. And I was like, oh, well, this is just going swimmingly well, you know? Right. Yeah. So um, we uh, did everything that we could to try to at least make contact, to try to get permission, you know what I mean? And that right. kind of stuff. I reread some law and reg books. Maybe there was something I was missing. Like maybe there was an exclusion that if the if the animal was dead that you could go right. get it but invisible or something yeah, like that. yeah right i was looking for some kind of wording that might make it legal and but i couldn't come up with anything so we had to abandon ship and then for the next 4 or 5 days man we just bounced around and bounced around and and it, it got to the point where it was like every bird we called at i was like i told drew at one point i said i'm probably the 200th hunter to call at that bird this spring already yeah um uh, I'm not the greatest turkey hunter in the world, but I've killed a pile of them with a bow and uh, these birds just weren't having it. Like I was reaching way into the bag of tricks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, to be honest, the, the most luck that I had with closing the distance was um, with no reaping fan, no decoys, no calling, just, just literally crawling around on the rocks and using natural cover and belly crawling with my bow trying to close the distance and get in tight. So 
yeah, it was a pain, dude. It was a, it was a struggle. Um, and I ended up coming, uh, back home and I got back home and, and I was sitting there and I'm like, there's like three days left of season, you know? Right. And I kept kicking it around and, and Kelly's like, I know what you're going to say. So just go ahead and say it and just pack your shit and head back. <laughs> out there. So I was like, do you mind if I go try to go back out there one more time? And, and I had a buddy of mine, this kid, Kyle, that I met, um, he's a local lives in South Dakota and he had some private farms and he's like, man, you know, you've got a statewide tag and you have a Hills tag. He's like, I've got a, I got a piece of property that kind of butts up to the Hills, but it's like a big, big cattle ranch, like 5,000 acres or whatever. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, he's like, dude, try to let's, let's, let's get after it. And we basically had one full day to hunt and we got on five different birds that we found them in drainages and we would call from the top of the ridge, you know, mm -hmm. and we'd get a bird to answer down on the bottom. And then we kind of did it like typical shotgun style and we would make a, make a move and haul ass to them. Right. And, um, we would get these birds to like close the distance of like three, 400 yards. All five birds came into 50 yards and just held up. Jeez. Would it's like not, they, it's like they yeah. knew. Yeah would not come any closer. It was almost, and I mean, birds do that, you know, from time to time, but I've never, I can't say that I've ever had that happen five times in one day on right. five different birds. And I was like, I'm done. I was like, man, I'm out, I'm out of time. You know, right. like I'm completely out of time. I had a photo shoot in Virginia beach to go to. Um, I was like, I've got just enough time to drive home and, you know, unpack the truck and then grab my, my swimming trunks and you know what I mean? And right. my neck gaiters and all that kind of stuff and flip flops and sunscreen and head to Virginia beach for a shoot. So yeah, that's it, man. That's the way the Turkey season ended. So in, in a 12, in a 12 and a half month stretch, um, I hunted, you know, four different States and I was able to kill seven of my eight tags. Right. So, so what, uh, any big, any big learning lessons from this pat from those past two, past two seasons? I'm not going back to the black Hills. <laughs> That's the learning lesson. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like, and, 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 and look, I'm not greedy. So they, they need to do something with their Turkey tags. They've got to restrict, put a cap on those. Mm -hmm. Um, and if it means I don't get a tag, then I don't get a tag, but right. You know, I was hearing of guys like some locals that were like, ah, yeah, I didn't have the best season either. Like I only field seven of my 11 tags and I'm like, and then they would also say, man, our Turkey numbers are down bad. I'm like, Jeez. why are you killing seven of them? You know what I mean? Right. Like, I yeah. don't know. Um, that's kind of crazy. I didn't but, realize they could kill that many turkeys out there. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. But, um, but no, I mean, and that's just it. Like, and then of course, you know, you run into this situation too. So you get home from your failed, you know, single season <laughs> slam. Everybody that I've never met in my life then reaches out and they're like, bruh, like all you had to do is get a hold of me. I could have dropped a pin on a piece of property 
seven years ago, there was like 400 turkeys on this property. I was like <laughs> seven years ago. Uh, okay. But I'm like, where were you a month ago when I was out there, you know, battling with these, with these jokers. But, right. um, yeah, yeah. So it's, and you know, like I would stop at local gas stations and when the gas station clerk is like, Hey, are you having any luck? And I'm like, no, no, we haven't been able to seal the deal on a Turkey yet. And she's like, God, everybody that's come in here has said the same thing. Nobody's <laughs> killed a bird. And I was like, man, even the quick trip lady, you know she, what I mean? She, she's got me going to kill no birds. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the gas station lady's like, yeah, birds, that ain't going to happen. That's when, you know, like you're, <laughs> you're, you're, you're pretty well doomed at that point. Are yep. you going to try, are you going to try it again next year? Or do you think this is, uh, be it? yeah. So, you know, I've thought about that a little bit. Like, I mean, you know, at this point last year, I was done trying to do grand slams. Right. Um, and I talked myself into trying to do another one, but so anything could happen. But, um, I mean, if I had to shoot from the hip right now, I, I wouldn't mind trying to go to Mexico or Arizona and mm -hmm. maybe trying to do one of those ghouls or the oscillated birds or, you know, something like that. Right. Um, that'd be pretty fun. But, um, I mean, I, you know, as owner of bourbon barrel calls, I kind of feel like I need to go chase some birds next year. I just, I just don't think that the Black Hills is a place that I'm going to go to. Right. Um, well, that was kind of like your plan B the first year because of the the Rona, right? Like you were supposed to go somewhere else, weren't you? Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about going to Colorado mm, okay. um, or Montana. Mm -hmm. And um, but I, I mean, I still think the Miriam is probably the prettiest bird, you know, with the white tips. Right. But um I, I love chasing Eastern birds or something about Easterns, man. When they gobble they're it's so daggone loud. And, um, they're, they're big birds or pretty smart birds. And, and we've obviously, we've got a ton of them to hunt in the Midwest, you know, right. but, uh, I don't know. So as of right now, my plan for next year, like I said, is to either travel and maybe try to go from one of those species that I've never killed. Um, plan B is, I wouldn't mind just being like a guest hunter with just a bunch of buddies, you know, like right. come to Pennsylvania. Hey, Clint, let's go chase some PA birds for a few days. And then I yeah. might go down to Texas and chase some birds on buddy ward, like no pressure. If right. I kill one, I kill one. If I don't, um, yeah. just try to go travel around and, and do some fun hunts with some buddies or something, you know, I think yeah. that would be probably more fun. Cause I'll be honest, like, as much as I say that I didn't put pressure on myself and I put pressure on myself this year and it got right. to the point out there in the black Hills that it wasn't. Uh, and I told drew this while we were out there one night, I said, look, I love hunting. I, I, I wish I could hunt every day, but this is really starting to feel like a job right now. Right. You know what I mean? It got to yeah. the point where I just wanted to kill the bird, not so much the hunt. And, and I don't want to get like that anymore so yeah. that was a bad like i didn't really like that feeling well that's a learning lesson right there right it's like it's kind of like maybe shapes how you do it going forward right like it's like it's the more of the camp style hunt of like let's just go to some states yeah. and hunt different states you know what i mean or maybe even go hunt some states you might want to deer hunt and scout slash hunt you know to be yeah. those those states or whatever you know mm -hmm. man you got a place here in pa we can we can hit the family farm you yeah. know cabin put you up hang out for a couple yeah. of days there's always yeah, birds. There's always birds on that farm. 
I'm sure you'll kill one. I'm sure I won't. That's how that works. So <laughs> I'll be sure to call in a couple. Right there. There you go. But uh, we'll transition. I'll do a hard transition now to talk a little talk a little whitetail here because we got, you know, you and I were talking on the drive home the other night and we were talking just before we started recording. Like, I feel like I am so far behind this year on mm-hmm. all my whitetail prep. And I know you were kind of saying the same thing. Like for me, yeah. it was a snow completely screwed my scouting plans like partially this year. And so it like delayed me getting kind of everything like scouting anything out you know and then yeah. at that, at that yeah. point then i changed jobs and like that was kind of crazy because the interview process for that gig was nuts and so yep. that delayed me so i haven't been out to get as many cameras out as i want i've gotten three cameras stolen already this year like it's just like been a little bit Jeez, of a disaster dude. and i still have like i still have a handful of cameras that i that i need to get out and and i know we were both just kind of lamenting the the fact that we're or that i'm behind at least are you are you feeling the same way man how are you with your with your prep are you like got your shit out or are you are you no. struggling i mean i've got i've got some mineral out and i've got a couple of cameras out um you know i like i said i did pick up a new property this year that i know nothing about uh the price was right and it was almost one of those deals like i looked at it on an aerial map and i was like yeah that looks pretty good yeah i'll take right. it right right and i was like and if it sucks i'm not i, I didn't lose a ton of money um I've got it scouted pretty decent for birds, you know, like I know where the birds like to roost at. So I need to spend some time Saturday. I have a buddy of mine that, um, he's a local deer hunter. Um, you know, pretty, pretty good deer hunter. He's killed some good deer and stuff like that. And I called him and I said, look, I'm running out of time. My time's getting limited. Um, do you mind, do you want to come work, work, basically work for me for the day? Right. And he's like, yeah, what, you know, what are we doing? And I said, we're going to do, we're putting boots on the ground. We're covering this property. Um, We're going to do some scouting. We're going to hang some cameras. We're going to put some mineral out. We're going to identify a couple of trees and some spots where we might want to put some tree stands and stuff like that. And, and, um, and I'm going to get you to basically run a camera, you know, for me. Right. um, While we're doing all this, just so it, that's what bogs me down so much is when I'm out trying to do all my photo content by yeah. myself and I'm having to use a timer and yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Set yeah. stuff up and set the tripod up. But so he's going to come with me and that'll help me with that. And, um, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm behind. I mean, the one property I can say it, it's, I feel like I'm behind cause I haven't done much out there, but there's but nothing for that, me to like, do. Right. You yeah. know that, you know, that property it's like, yeah. yeah. And I've yeah. been on it with you and it's like, the way it lays out, like you, there's a handful of like good, really, really good setups and you know yeah. them historically. Right. And like mm-hmm. you've hunted that place for a handful of years and the same spots are the, are the spots yep. that are going to be the spots next year. Right. It's yep. just kind of how that property works. Not only that, but like the timber on that piece is so stupid thick. Yeah. You can't even, it's like Narnia in there. It's like, you can't yeah. even put, you couldn't put a, a stand or anything in there if, if you, if your life depended on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's, it's a property that you're really stuck in a lot of edges. Um, there's one spot in there in some cedars that I'm, I'm going to get a tree stand in and it might be like a five yard shot is maybe the only thing that I can get out of there. But I feel really confident that there's a, uh, there's a, there's a spot that I need to get into and it's going to be one of those, you know, all day sit kind of spots. And right. 
whatnot. So I do need to get a stand in there. Um, it's so interior that, um, you know, I don't need to go hang and bang it. I can just go in, hang a set, wait for the perfect conditions and then slip in as quiet as I possibly can, you know, and hunt that one. But right. So like I said, that property, it feels like I'm behind, but I don't think that I am. I mean, I've already got one clover cutting out of the way. All I need to do with that property is just stay on top of my clover cutting, stay on top of my mineral, keep an eye on the trail cameras. And then like all of us, I'll have that switch, you know, in late August, September, where I'll start moving trail cameras from food and transitions over to scrapes and, you know, bedding and stuff like that. But, um, well, how, so, what are your, how do you feel about the new the new property? Like, do you have any just local intel on it as far as like past deer that maybe came off of it, or at least yeah. maybe maybe neighboring neighboring properties that people have pulled good deer off of, or whatever the case is? I mean, yeah, it's so, in a, it's in south southern you know southeast Iowa, so it doesn't it doesn't suck. So yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> the potential's there. Um, so what I do know about the new property is it, it's funny because that you asked that because. I, I looked at the property and on a, on a map, um, I liked the Creek mm-hmm. that ran through the property and it kind of divided the property mm-hmm. and it's a big enough Creek where it's like deer are going to be on one side or the other. And right. they're probably going to have to follow the Creek to, tra- you know, to transition through the timber. Right. Um, and the hunters on both sides are not hunters that shoot little deer. Um, so that makes me feel really good. Good you know, neighborhood. That, yeah. 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 It's going to be in a good hood. And I don't have to worry about anybody shooting, you know, riffraff and stuff. So um, that part I'm, I'm good about now. What my gut tells me is that it is not a property where, um, big bucks hold up. Like it's going to be a transition slash cruising property to get from one property to the next. Yeah. Like there may be three weeks out of the year that it's on fire and that's it. Right. You know? Uh, last week of October, first couple of weeks of November, it may be on like Donkey Kong, but that's what my gut tells me. Um, right. and it's a small parcel and I won't say how small because I got burned last year on giving out too inform- too much information yes. locally. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I had a trespasser issue, but, um, but anyways, it, it is a small piece. Um, but, and I'm excited about it. I, I will know more. I'll, I'm sure we'll talk uh, this weekend or early next week. And if I discover something crazy, like if I find those rubs that are, you know, up to your forehead. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And on a tree, like the size of both your thighs together. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully I can find that kind of stuff, but it, you know, dude, it's one of those things. Like my wife and I were talking about the other day, like it used to be, I would go out in Kentucky and I would shoot, try to shoot one turkey a year mm-hmm. you know and um and then i i didn't bow hunt you know back then so you know back way you know way back then yeah um and even when i started bow hunting okay so now i got something to do you know mid september because the season did not start as early in kentucky back then as it does now yeah so I mean, I had like this huge block of time where I was, I mean, Hanging I had out. so much time to do whatever I wanted to do. And it was, yep. 
you know, I'm like, I did three days worth of whitetail work this year and got it all done. You know, got my mineral out, got my trail yep. camera out, <laughs> hung a few sets. Like I'm just sitting around waiting, waiting till opening day. And then now it's turkey, 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 you know, shed seasons. And then it's photos and, and commercials and, and whatnot, some fishing trips. And then bam, in August, Montana antelope. And then it's, you know what I mean? Like it just, the, the, the amount of downtime in between seasons is like going away quickly. Very, very quickly. Well, I mean, especially for you, whenever you, I mean, you you hunt so many species, you know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. that it's, you know, and, and a lot of it's, you know, you, you, you create content, you got to create content. <laughs> like that's what, that's, that's yeah, what you yeah. do for a living. You know what I mean? It's like, whether it's creating content for you yep. or whether it's creating content for a client that you're working with, or whether it's someone hiring you to go to Kalamazoo to shoot tiddlywinks or whatever, you know what I mean? It's like that's your job is creating content and yeah. photos and whatever. And so it's like when you're, you know, when that's part of what you do and you know, you're a, a hired gun, that's like, you got to be ready to roll whenever, when someone needs yeah. you, you know what I mean? It's like, that's how yeah. it was whenever I was doing studio work. It's like, you wanted to be busy because when you weren't, it was bad. You know I what know. I mean? It's like, cause you didn't know when you weren't going to be busy. You know what I mean? Right, it's like, right. and so you're anytime there waiting. was, right. It's like, so you just took mm-hmm. the, all the work you could get. But then what ended up happening was, is like, it just never dried up. So you just never were, you just never were off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know I mean, if I've got a, a trip out of state, you know, there's a day ahead of time prep, getting camera stuff together, travel, yeah. packing a bag, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then you usually have a day of travel. Um, and then you're on location for a few days and then you get back home. Usually I try to clean all the gear again. Then I start organizing photos and my workflow is edit all the photos. Then I start on the video edit side of things. And you, so you might have two or three days of that and then you send it to the client and then you're waiting on them to like review everything and get back and give you the thumbs up. You might have a revision or two or something like that. Right. Um, So if I say, Hey, I'm going to go on a fishing trip for a client for three days, uh, that's six days. Right. You know what I mean? Minimal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, hell that Virginia, Virginia beach deal. When I got home, the photos were done, but I was waiting on a couple of pieces from the client and some, mm-hmm. some graphic files. And I didn't get those until this past Sunday. And I just shipped off the video last night. Right. Um, so I was like, man, I feel like I've been working on that project, you know, for three weeks, but really it was, you know, I right. had week and a half of downtime in the middle, but right. So yeah, I mean the, the time aspect and, 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 you know, if anybody's listening going, Oh, poor John, he gets to work in the outdoors and he's bitching about it. I'm not bitching. I'm I'm not bitching. It's, um, it's for me, it's more of a practice of making sure that I still get to enjoy myself because the guy that gets to go hunt without a camera, I'm telling you, he might be having more fun than I am. Oh yeah. Yeah. Dude, I can totally see that. I mean, and not that I do what you do by any stretch of the imagination, just even taking a camera mm-hmm. like, and I don't have a reason other than like, I filmed something and maybe put it on YouTube. Right. Like, sure. and, and that yep. would be, that'd be the extent of it for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, that stresses me out. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just that extra, like, it you is. know, preparation, extra stuff to take care of when I get back dumping the files and recharging batteries, like when I'm on a trip or whatever, it's like, and it, it's not for anything other than 
I'd put it on my YouTube channel. It's not like someone's waiting for the content per se, like to, you know, as like a paying client or whatever. Yeah. Right. You know, right. and, and it's, and so I would, I would agree with that, man. It's, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of extra stress, man, for sure. Yep. Well, and, and I'm at the point now where as things are starting to grow and, and kind of merge together, you know, I keep looking at it like, like this, if, if I was going to hire a camera guy and, and I, and I hire camera guys a lot of times on hunts, but then when I'm home, sometimes I need to film commercial work for Diamondback or Luminoc or somebody. Right. Right. Um, or I'm just building content while I'm messing with food plots or hanging tree stands or whatever. And then you start sprinkling in all of the Johnny Utah creative work and air wild stuff. But let's say I had a camera guy that I hired and, I'm paying a guy $250 a day cash right. to run a camera for the day, take photos. Now, some people charge, you know, a thousand dollars or $2,000 a day. Um, so you gotta know what you're getting at $250 a day. You know, you're getting a yeah. guy that's got some skills, but he's not like a Stephen Drake or an Austin Thomas or a Sam Sohol, you know what I mean? Type right, guy. Yeah. 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 You, you're, 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 you're getting someone who is functional that you can, you can give some direction to, they understand, they speak the language, they can take the direction Yeah. and you're going to get a, a, a photo that you can then utilize, manipulate, edit to get to the standard you need it to be to, for deliverable. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. for you, Hey, grab that Gibson. He'll grab the Gibson, not the Fender, but he ain't going to tune the some bitch for you. You <laughs> right. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, when I do the math on that, I mean, when I say, okay, if I hire a guy and I'm thinking, man, I need a guy full time because this, I need a guy this week, but then I really don't need him for two weeks, then I need him for a week. And when I do the math on that at $250 a day, that's a $91,000 a year guy. Right. But it's, probably safe to assume that I could probably hire a guy for 40, 45 a year. Right. You know what I mean? For the whole year. Right. Um, and he's going to get some time off, you know? Right. Yeah. It's, it may not be like a teacher's job where he's got three months off at one block, but it may be like, Hey, we're working for two weeks. Then, then you get a whole week off or something, you know, or whatever. Right. Um, so I'm kind of at that point right now where it's, it's getting to be about that time where, it's time to grow and I need to hire somebody. And, um, I know one time I put out something on Instagram I was like, Hey, thinking about hiring, you know, camera guy, like if you've got any interest and there was a couple of like guys with some decent chops, you know, that mm -hmm. reached out, but then man, I had like a bunch of weirdos too. Like <laughs> that was strange, me. Sorry. Like carny folk, <laughs> my, you know, my bad. That was me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh man. I was like, I'll never do that again. Right. But how do you find a guy without putting something out on yeah, you know, it's tough on man. the line. Yeah. It's yeah. It, it's it's tough, man. Like, you know, because I mean, you know, you go through your personal Rolodex, you know, for uh -huh. you know, that's where you start, obviously, right? It's like you kind of right? you kind of do that and then you know, but the thing is, is like what you do for a living, it's like a lot of the people who are in your Rolodex are, you know, guys who are like, like, are your doing it or... well, they're your, your peers, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's right. like, and, and they're at, they're either, you know, doing their own thing, you know, or they're, you know, doing what you're doing, which is growing their own opportunity. Right. And so yeah. their own opportunity isn't being a camera guy for somebody else necessarily. Right. Exactly. It's like, 
So it's like you're looking for the next person down or two or three rungs down even, you know what I mean, that has an interest to grow in the the category. A big part of it, too, is being able to tolerate the person in the tree. I was going to say, yeah, you're spending weeks on end with somebody in high-stress situations like, um, you know, I've got a stretch coming up this year between Montana and then finishing Idaho. There will be four four states hunted over the course of like four weeks, right? And I'm like, dude. And you know, on hunts, emotions run high, emotions run low. Uh, that's yep. the epitome of you know bow hunting. You know, yep. you had an encounter and something got boogered up, and you didn't end up getting an arrow. And so you're all down and out, and then you're like the the sound of that person breathing pisses me off. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it just happens. Like, it does in there. Yeah, you know? for sure. Um, man. So, you know, you start thinking about that too. You're like, okay, I got to find a guy that's got the skill set, but then like, I have to really like this human too. Yeah. Um, so, ah, uh, it, it's so frustrating. Like, and I would love to find somebody that had some, had some talent, had some skill set that, wanted to learn and, and wanted to be involved. And, you know, somebody that just genuinely was like, dude, I really want to work in the outdoor space. And, and this is a cool opportunity. Yeah. And, um, consequently, I mean, I do know a lot of kids that are very talented, but, um, you know, they're, they're trying to do their own thing. And I respect that. I'm not saying that I don't. Um, but, you know, they're, they're trying to do their own thing, but, um, well, you also have to have the right person who that's what they want to do. And they don't want to be in front of the camera too. Huge. Right? That's, 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 that's like, yeah, that's the big thing, right? It's like, it's not a, uh, it's, it's not a, Hey, I'm going to film for a little while. And then when do I get to be in front of the camera and, and, you know, and hunting, it's not a, you're not a, uh, I don't want to say team member. Like your, your job is the, the videographer photographer. It's not on screen talent isn't the job. Right. So yeah, right, right, right. That, that's always kind and, of a hard, hard part uh, too, is them having to check their ego. Yeah. Well, and like when I first started arrow wild, I had a, I had a pro staff and, and it was a bunch of my buddies, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And admittedly, like none of them, uh, and of no fault of theirs, mm-hmm. some of them had kids or some of them had new, new fiancés or, you know, whatever. And, and then a lot of them had like nine to fives where they had to put in for vacation time. And right. so they weren't able to hunt as much as me. Therefore they typically didn't kill as much, you know, again, yep. um, just cause they didn't have the time, you know, yep. to put into it like they wanted to and whatnot. But when I was putting out, you know, arrow wild episodes, unfortunately their episodes were not doing very well. Right. And, Um, I mean, I don't really think that I'm that interesting, but my videos were getting played, you know, viewed a lot more, you know? Um, so that's when the decision was made, like, okay, it's time to just kind of take this and just kind of go more solo and right. You know, whatnot, but, um, yeah, finally says, Hey man, I want to be a part of this brand and and I want to do the camera work and behind the scenes. And and I want to learn about the industry and how all this stuff works. And, um, like where's the key grips of the world, 
You know what right. I mean? Like those poor pastors, all you, they get the ending <laughs> closing credit and they're cool. <laughs> right. You know, like life's good. Right. Exactly. But, uh, Man, I yeah, wish I, so, I I wish I had any camera or video skills whatsoever, and I would move to Iowa and be your and be your camera guy and be Mister Arrow Wild with you. But I think I would end up getting a divorce. Yeah, dude, and... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, yeah. and it's a ton of fun. Like I said, and and it's starting to get to the point now where I'm having to turn down work or not go after work right. through the Johnny Utah creative side of things. Um, so, you know, it wouldn't just be like, and if anybody's listening and you're not like a freaking weirdo with like a rap sheet and a PO that you have to call every week, right? We don't have any of those that listen to this. I was going to say, (laughs) what what I mean is that like, that's, that's all of them. Like, yeah, (laughs) that's that's my base, man. (laughs) I'm, I'm big and I'm big in the correctional facilities. (laughs) Yeah. They get, they get. Uh, they get a free, uh, an extra piece of cornbread for every download. <laughs> right. Exactly. But exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, trying to find somebody to do that and, yeah. you know, we, three days, we might be, um, in Florida filming some stuff on the water for a client. And then we might be hanging tree stands for two days. Then we might be chasing elk the next five days. I mean, yeah. it, it just, it always varies. Um, and then in the spring, by God, we might be building some bourbon barrel calls, you know, right. so it's going to have to be a guy that just, you know, is wants all in. to be in it. Yeah, yeah, just wants yeah. to be in it. it. Truth be told, man, it's interesting that we're having this conversation because I've actually had a couple people reach out to me and just ask, you know, the question of like, if they could help with like the podcast or anything that I'm that I'm doing or whatever. And unfortunately, it's like with my schedule and the, the work that I do and how much work that I typically have it really only functions as a solo thing. Cause I can't, it's so like last minute, like when I do things mm-hmm. or sure, or I shouldn't say yep. la- like I plan, but like when I have to go do something, it's like, I don't have time to like, I gotta go, go I gotta go do it now. And I can't give anyone really a heads up and I can't right. pay someone to just have them on call. Cause that's, I'm not, yeah. that's not what this is. Right. Um, but there has been yep. a couple of people that reached out to me asking that. So if, for those of you out there that are listening, if you're listening to this now, <clears throat> Yeah. Those folks that reached out to me are not weirdos. So, you know, I've already kind yeah, of prim- right. primed them for you. So if you're listening yeah. to this and you're hearing this, you know, you might want to reach out to John. Just don't be weird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, and that's the other thing is um, like my friend Leslie um, that lives out in Pen- Pennsylvania, you know, she's really talented and she's got a lot of like um, she does. A, she does an amazing job with like media kit type stuff and gr- some graphic stuff, laying out some stuff. But the other thing that she's really good at is like keeping schedules and like, she thinks about those other things. Like it's going to take a half day to get ready for that trip. And then you're going to have a two hour wait at the airport and, you know, right. cause and I'll catch her make comments. Like she'll say, okay, so you said you were flying to so-and-so tomorrow. And, and then she's like, um, well, so how are you getting from there, from the airport to there? I'm like, Oh damn, I didn't even think about that. I was like, I guess I want to take an Uber and, you know, so I've joked with her that I was going to hire her, um, to manage, to start to manage like some of the client stuff and dude, there's no telling. She might end up doing like the invoicing and the scheduling and you know what I mean? That kind of stuff. But it right. seems to be right up her alley. I just hate that she's in Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, the other day she was wanting me to, she was wanting to help with something. And this kind of goes on into like finding that right person to work with. But, um, I was like, here's the thing. 
I don't really have an hour to do it, but it's going to take me three hours to explain what I need, what I would need you to do for me. You know right. what I mean? Right. But if I just do it myself, it'll only take an hour. So you run into that, which like with your stuff, that's kind of what you're getting at is it's like, you can't afford to have somebody on standby waiting for you to call them and say, okay, be in my house in 10 minutes. We're recording. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole thing. <clears throat> that's the whole thing. Or like, hey, I want to go shoot some YouTube videos, but I got to do it today and I have to do it between like one and four. You know what I yep. mean? It's like and if you know, yep. it's like if they if they wanted to quote unquote intern or whatever, it's like that's cool. But like I I can't have the expectation they can drop everything that they're doing and just be there whenever I need them. You yeah. Know, and based. well, like Billy, you know, uh, Billy C, he's he's given me a hand on more than one occasion with some stuff and. Um, right now with his job, you know, he's driving semis and he's all over the place. I mean, he's been getting a bunch of runs and he's super, super busy. And, um, yeah. used to be, I could, as long as I gave him like a week and a half, two week notice, I could always get him in town, you know, to help out. But right. So that's getting tougher and whatnot. It's, just, it's growing pains, but I mean, yeah. again, Hey, all good problems to have, man. I, yeah. I, I make, I make this a point more of. And people might be listening, going, I don't, I didn't come to listen to this podcast, listen about this shit, but <laughs> it's, it's showing people to me, like the other side of it. This is what people don't see. They're just yeah. like, oh man, this, this is not what you see on the gram. Put it that exactly. Way. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're like, oh man, John just wakes up maybe at noon. You know what I mean? Goes out and hangs the stand, comes back, calls it a day and goes to the gym and posts yeah. a selfie of him flexing. Like they're not seeing the in-between like i'm in my office all day long like right now i wish people could see my desk it's like i'm keeping 3m posted in business right now yeah dude well it's funny because like you know like like the way we started the conversation is that people have this misconception of what working in the hunting industry looks like and you know I have, you have, a, you know, more friends than I do in the outdoor industry, you know, but, you know, I have a couple of really close guys that I talk to pretty frequently, like you being one of them. Right. Mm-hmm. And people are hearing like what your day looks like to a degree. But the other part that like we haven't even touched on is what you just kind of mentioned was like that in between time. Right. It's yeah. like all this, you know, it's, it's the fact that like, yeah, you're going to the gym at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, because that's when you finished up your work day after you got up at six 30 and started yeah. working, you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, yeah. you know, so it's that part of it. And it's like in Chad, like, you know, another good buddy of ours, you know, I know Chad's a pretty regimented dude. Like the dude will get up at four 30 in the morning. Cause he likes to read first thing in the morning. And I just know this cause we've talked about it, you yeah. know, and he reads for like a half hour before his family gets up. That way he can be yeah. out the door by five and at the gym at five 30 and work out. And then he starts his work day. Like when he gets yeah. home, you know what I mean? It's like, and he'll be in, he'll work till 10, 11 o'clock at night. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's what it kind of takes. Tony, yeah. P- Tony Peterson, right. Buddy of mine. Who's now working for, you know, wired to hunt and meat eater. Right. It's like, uh-huh. there was a day I was out scouting and we were texting and I was like, what are you doing? He's like, dude, I wish I was out scouting. I'm behind a computer right now. Type like pounding out some work or whatever. And that's yep. a dude that's like been doing it for years. You know what I mean? As a writer and like as a content creator and stuff like that. Right. And it's like, yeah, here I am out scouting on like a Tuesday or whatever. And he's jamming behind a desk, you know? So it's not all sunshine and rainbows. You know? No, no, there's so much more that goes into it. And well, I had somebody that was like, give me the cliff notes version of like, to try to put it into scale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, okay, Think about you, you're 
what you do to plan for a whitetail hunt in one state. Yep. Now add 12 more states into that. And they're like, oh shit. I'm like, and document it all through photo and video and, and edit like, it into and a storyline. And not like half-assed with, like your, with your handy cam. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. That's, that's all a bunch yep. of shaky bullshit that no one wants to watch, but like your dad. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, and I'm like, think about it like that. And then they're, you know, then people are like, no, no, thank you. Like, I don't want to do that. That sounds yeah. like crap, you know? And, yeah. um, but like I said, I, I mean, I love doing what I'm doing. I'm having, a, I have a absolute blast of it. It does take a lot of work. Um, but tip of the hat to these young kids coming out of college, like they're pushing the bar, they're raising the bar. Um, the producers that are, that are out there, people are getting better and better and better. And then even the ones that aren't better, um, there's just so much more of it. There's so much mm -hmm. more content to consume. So you're always trying to make sure that you're staying relevant yep. and, um, you know, giving people what they want to see and, you know, that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of a, it's kind of a crazy deal, man, all the way around. And then also keeping up with personal relationships. Like yeah. that's a whole nother element to it too. Like, yeah. Well, just the, I think the good, I have the, my core group of friends. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think the analogy you just used, which was like, imagine planning one whitetail hunt, and I'll do that 12 or 14 more times. Imagine yep. going on one whitetail hunt and getting your wife to be cool with it, and now try getting her cool with it 14 more times. Yeah, yeah. You know, or or being away from your kids like yeah. that for 14 more times. Yeah, or it's whatever. tough, like, man. There's it, sacrifices. It is yeah, it is. You know? it, 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 takes a, it takes a lot of sacrifice. Um, you know, I have my core group of friends that I talk to, you know, at least biweekly. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, you're, you know, you're in that group mm -hmm. and then you also have your personal relationships with all the marketing directors of the different companies. You yeah. know, you're always keeping those lines of communication open. So you're doing a good job for them. And, and if you're lucky, then they end up becoming really good friends, right. um, as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a lot of hats. Of, it's a lot of hats to wear, man. It is. It and is. Not, it's, it, a, it's a whole bunch. It, it, not like you needed another hat to wear, but you also now became a race promoter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. Johnny Utah now moving into the into the role of promoting dirt track racing, which I love it. Yeah, heck yeah, man. Uh, getting back to the roots, you know. That's, and yeah, man. Um, if if anybody's heard me on the podcast before, then they know what's up. But um, I used to race dirt late model stock cars um, back when I was in Kentucky and did that for money and. Um, my family has grown up in racing. I mean, there's pictures of me. Um, I was actually one year, one year old and I'm in a dirt track, um, mm -hmm. sitting in one of my dad's cars and stuff, but I grew up at the dirt tracks on the weekends. That's what I did. And, um, huge, huge dirt late model fan, a student of the sport. I mean, I can tell you who won the 1989, you know, world <laughs> 100. <this>. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I love, that is my guilty pleasure. Um, yeah. I probably should study, uh, whitetail history as much as I, I know about dirt late model racing history. But, um, so my father passed away in December of this year. And so we're hosting a, uh, memorial race. Um, this will be the first annual, the Johnny Utah classic. We're going to have it down at Ponderosa Speedway in uh, Junction City, Kentucky, which is basically Danville, Kentucky, 
um, central Kentucky area, but it'll be on a Friday night. It'll be a $10,000 to win race, which is a pretty big event for dirt yep. late model racing. That puts it in the scale of like a world of outlaw Lucas yep. oil, to, you know, style race. And, uh, we had a lot of really awesome people that chipped in some money. Uh, we made up some flyers and all of their logos and stuff are on there, but you know, a lot of friends of my dad and, and business associates and stuff like that. So yeah, man, I'm looking forward to that. Actually, my friend Leslie, she designed all of the flyer and stuff for me and, and the graphics for that. And we're getting all that stuff printed out. Get down there to the track. It'd be a good time. Slim action, man. Nothing like seeing 800 horsepower cars go sliding around a dirt track, you know? That's what I'm saying, man. I'm super stoked that that all, all kind of came together. So anyone out there, and I don't know exactly where this is at. I know Ponderosa is like, I know that's a big time track because my cousin is big yep. into like late model racing. I feel like he's been there before. Um, and hell, mm-hmm. he might actually even be there for that race because he travels to go watch late model racing. But uh, anyone out there yep. that's listening that is in, in that area, go check it out, support the cause, yeah. support the race, you know, and stop by and give John a hard time while he's there. And if you're a weirdo, yeah. definitely yeah. stop by. Like, <laughs> get a selfie and an autograph. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, so, and you know, the Work More Hours brand that I started. Um, oh yeah. Talk, tell, yeah. mention that. Cause that's rad too. Cause that's all kind of part of it, man. That's, yeah. Yeah. So the work more hours was just a phrase that my dad used to tell me when I was a kid. Um, I, I asked him, how do you make more money? And he just said, work more hours. I'm like, well, how do I get better at basketball? Work more hours. So that was just this thing that he would always say, like, whatever you want to do, you'd be good at, you got to put your time into it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've kind of applied that motto to life and, and it's been the backbone of like my work ethic and my drive for everything that I do. So I started this company work more hours. It's just an apparel brand doing hats and, and t-shirts with that phrase on it. Um, people are like, Oh man, you're starting another company. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just starting another company, you know, another little brand, but the whole purpose and always has been always will be is that's essentially it's just a company that all of the profits go to support this memorial race that we're going to have for my dad every year. So, um, so that's been super cool to, um, yeah, to be able to do that. And then for me, uh, you know, people talk about having the memory of a loved one, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Live on forever. So when I see the hats and the shirts and stuff like that, people wearing them, I was like, it's like, basically I'm seeing my dad, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, and his message is transcending, you know, into yeah. other people. So, um, yeah, so it's been super cool. And that's awesome. Um, there's can, some work more hours. Tone. Yeah. I was just going to say, where, where can people find the work more hours shirt and the, the gear? Yeah. Workmorehours.com um, is a, is a website just for that. But then there's also a couple of the shirts um, are available on the arrow wild TV.com site as okay. well. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, man. Yeah, like I said, if anybody wants to, if anybody digs that motto um, and gets it and had that uh, had that hard handed uh, parenting upbringing that a lot of us did yeah. uh, that are of our age and generation, then yeah. uh, the message should you should get it, you know. Yeah, I need to pick. I need to pick mine up. I think I'm going to get a sweet tank top because I got huge muscles and I'm not sure that I'll fit into. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> stretching, stretching them guns out. that's right dude no but now i need to pick yeah, one of those dude, up man let because me know the- let me know uh go to the well go to the site and just screenshot whatever one you want and just tell me what size you want i'll get it shipped out to you cool 
Cool, man. Well, all the guys and gals out there listening, if you haven't already, you need to be following Arrow Wild, Johnny Utah Creative, Bourbon Barrel Calls, Work More Hours on the Gram, on YouTube. Give him a follow. Give him some love. If you're in the area, go check out that race uh, and, and show John and his family some support. And so with that, I think this one's a wrap, homie. Yeah, no, man, I appreciate it. Like I said, if anybody wants to check out any, um, you know, after you consume your truth from the stand, YouTube consumption, uh, swing over to arrow wild TV, hit that subscribe button, leave a comment on an episode or something that would be much appreciated. Awesome, brother. Well, it's always good catching up with you, man. And, uh, we yes, need sir. to make sure it's not, uh, not so long in between sessions. Yeah, I know. It was a long time this time. It was I started, right, man, I'll, started I'll let... to miss you a little bit. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, <laughs> I'm a hard guy to miss. <laughs> I'll talk to you, brother. All right. See you, brother. All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. And if you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. And hell, while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there, too. I'd be super appreciative if you'd be able to do those two things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout-out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, and Maven Optics. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do hard shit hat for those of us who like to embrace microdosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.